Chapter Two of The Untempered Wind by Joanna Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. A treasure of the memory, a joy unutterable. Her tears fell with the dews at even, her tears fell ere the dews were dried. She could not look at the sweet heaven, either at morn or eventide. Myron Holder's father was Jed Holder, the broom maker. His death occurred when Myron was eighteen years old. He had clung to his quaint occupation to the last, after factory-made brooms stood even at the store doors in Jamestown. His fortunes had fallen off, sadly, in the last few years of his life, but he worked away as steadily at his trade as in the old days, when, looking from his door, his eyes were met by the mast-like masses of a Kentish hop-orchard. He had planted hop-vines all about the fence of his little house in Jamestown. They clambered up the sides of the house, twined insinuatingly about the disdainful sunflowers, and, throwing their tendrils abroad from the roots, wound round and round the tall stalks of grass, weighing them down with the burden of their unsought embrace. Little Myron was often impressed with the truth that a single leaf broken from a growing hop-vine kills the whole spray she learned to pick up her feet as her father expressed it and step daintily between the wandering vines so that no slurring footstep might injure them jed holder had carried on the broom-making for many years very systematically year by year he rented from saul disney a bit of the virgin soil of the woodland and the tall brown tassel of the broom-corn overtopped the stumps in the clearing year by year the little patch of corn crept nearer and nearer the limit of disney's diminishing woodland seeming as jed holder said to sweep the trees off before it but being in its turn swept aside by waves of golden grain it was a sore day for jed holder when he sent off his first order for western broom corn forced to do so by the impossibility of renting ground rich enough to perfect and mature his crop in the short winter days jed used to work in disney's brush helping to clear it in return for his services he received all the young maples they encountered out of these in the long winter evenings he fashioned his broom handles jed never could remember how the knowledge was conveyed to him that broom handles were being made by the thousands by a machine out of the refuse in the wake of logging camps if the recognition of this iconoclastic fact was not an intuition it must have been something very like one some transmission of a half-contemptuous thought from the brain of the smart grocery-man in the city when he ridiculed the price jed asked for his handmade brooms jed pondered over the matter much but never could recall the source of his information but when he lay in his last illness watching the shadow of the hop-vine on the blinds all these tormenting thoughts vanished the murmurs that fell from his lips were all of other days 
of hop-picking of england of kentish lanes and birds of one whom he named lovingly as myron lass and yet did not seem to identify with the girl who waited upon him so untiringly under the direction of her grandmother an old old woman bent with rheumatism and hard of face and heart whose lips set cruelly and eyes grew stony when her grey-haired son babbled of myron lass when he lay in his coffin she could not grieve for raging that he was not to lie with all his kin in kent she made myron suffer vicariously for her long-dead mother whose death coming soon after myron's birth had driven jed holder to seek strange scenes away from where he had known the fullest happiness of which he was capable but myron bore her grandmother's bad temper with patience and without bitterness her father often said to her the yeast is bitter but it is the yeast that makes bread sweet jed holder died one day in autumn when the aromatic green cones had been picked from the hops and lay browning upon paper-covered boards in the sun the last breath jed holder drew savored of their fragrance and the aroma of the hops dispelled the faint odor of mortality in the death chamber the winter succeeding his death was a long and bitter one fuel was high and however sparingly bought still the plainest provisions cost money albeit myron and her grandmother lived frugally yet they exhausted jed's poor hoardings very soon spring found them penniless but in summer life is more easily sustained and myron found various occupations which sufficed to keep her grandmother in tolerable comfort hoeing and weeding cleaning house and burying doing extra washings cooking for threshers and harvesters all had their part in myron's busy life her grandmother was never satisfied either with her ability or her willingness to work but for all that she worked and worked well too there was soon proof positive of this given her grandmother for after myron had helped in the half-yearly saturnalia of work mrs deans called house-cleaning the latter arranged to have myron come to the farm daily to help the bound girl for that summer mrs deans had boarders boarders who read and walked and brought in great bunches of goldenrod and masses of wild aster and long trails of virgin bower clematis there were mrs and miss rexton miss carpenter and dr henry willis a young medico they had all driven to the lake one day from the mineral spring hotel where they were stopping the lake curved in a shining semicircle round jamestown and swept off in ever-widening curves far away until sky and water blended in a band of blinding silver radiance the party of four had been caught in a thunderstorm and sought refuge on mrs dean's veranda then and there they had decided that they must come there for the rest of the summer and with one accord set about persuading mrs deans to give her consent 
of a truth their persuasion would have had little effect upon that worthy woman had not the remuneration suggested seemed to her quite extravagantly sufficient therefore she was pleased at length to accede to their request and a few days later found the quartet comfortably settled at mrs dean's miss carpenter was dr willis's maiden aunt miss rexton believed herself to be his affinity and hoped that he agreed with her mrs rexton was a chattel of her daughter's myron holder's duties were now made more manifold than ever but she was well content that it should be so only the long mile she walked night and morning from and to the village tired her greatly taking the edge off her vitality in the morning and utterly exhausting her at night so mrs deans proposed that she should stay all night at the farm not actuated by any kindly thought for myron but because like the good financier that she was she wanted to get her money's worth out of her as for old mrs holder she had no timid qualms about staying alone she missed the little scraps of news however that myron always had to tell and unconsciously suffered from lack of someone to berate the summer passed slowly autumn came mrs dean's boarders departed myron holder once more walked the mile night and morning she had had a hard summer's work her hands and wrists were reddened and coarsened her face was very pale and bistre shadows lingered about her eyes but she and her grandmother had to live and after december snows were blowing she still trudged the mile back and forth it was only by great chance that mrs deans retained myron's services but her son a loutish young man of twenty-two had fallen from a hickory-nut tree and dislocated his hip the increasing attention he demanded and the care of her poultry and her accumulated sewing kept mrs deans fully occupied so myron holder continued her daily attendance at the deans farm january and february passed march was blowing its wildest when one day myron holder did not come to mrs dean's the latter waited fuming resolved as she expressed it to give myron holder a fine hearing when she did come mrs dean's was always promising somebody or other a hearing which by the by was an exceedingly misleading term for in the conversation thus referred to the other party did the listening whilst mrs deans talked the wild wind of the morning had intensified into a bitter sleet which darted its blasts into the face like sharp-pointed lashes when mrs deans heard a knock at the side door she opened it herself to find old mrs holder bent wet furious standing in the slush mrs deans bade her come in with a meaning look at the corn-husk mat before the door mrs holder paid no heed to the look but with muddy feet stepped into the room fair upon mrs deans new rag carpet and standing there a quaint old figure clad in the forgotten fashion of thirty years back 
proceeded to give mrs deans what that lady herself would have called a hearing mrs deans had a ready tongue an inventive imagination a fund of vituperative imagery and a pleasant habit of drowning the voice of any one who chose to contradict her but in one's own house to be confronted in this way abused for some unknown crime covered with contumely and showered with contemptuous epithets and all from an old woman whose granddaughter was honoured in doing one's kitchen work was not conducive to dignity and presence of mind mrs deans was too old a scold however to be routed without an effort to vindicate herself finding it vain to wait an opportunity for speech mrs holder never seemed to pause for breath she simply began to talk also myron's non-appearance mrs holder's impertinence and her own mystification giving ample subject-matter for her eloquence to do justice to but mrs holder talked on apparently unconscious of mrs dean's remarks finally she hurled one direct question at the latter did you know that's what i want to find out did ye and if ye did what do you think of yourself you she was about to branch off into a personal description of mrs deans somewhat unflattering when the latter seized her cue did i know what she demanded mrs holder came to a dead stop and looked at her did i know what reiterated mrs deans majestically did you know myron she stopped this thing was difficult to frame in words well said mrs deans did you know myron was would be had again the voluble mrs holder faltered mrs deans looked at mrs holder and something whispered to her what mrs holder could not say do you mean to tell me she paused filling up the hiatus with an eloquent look then she loosened the tides of her indignation and sweeping aside all memories of myron's honesty and faithful service and patience launched against her the full flood of her invective presently mrs holder chimed in there was something absurd yet tragically repulsive in these two women but a moment before reviling each other now absorbed only in the desire to outvie each other in the epithets they hurled against the girl the granddaughter of the one the uncomplaining servant of the other their attitude however was prophetically typical of the treatment myron holder was to receive the whole village forgot its private quarrels to point the finger at its common victim beset with all the frightful anticipations of motherhood bowed beneath the burden of a shame she appreciated and accepted hounded nearly to madness by her grandmother's gibes and reproaches myron holder's heart was well-nigh desperate the spring winds brought her dreadful suggestions of despair the first hepaticas shone up at her as balefully as the lighted faggots to a martyr's eye the springing hop vines seemed to twine their tendrils tight and tighter about her heart
all the scents and sounds of spring were ever after to her an exquisite torture but her soul was of strong fibre before all the scorn of the village all the rebukes of mrs deans all the wrath of her grandmother all the bitterness and misery and hopelessness of her own heart myron holder was mute no murmur escaped her lips against the man who had forsaken her the village knew her shame but it could not fathom her secret myron holder was deaf to all commands entreaties persuasions sneers her face holy with the divine shadow of coming maternity turned to her questioners an indecipherable page writ large with characters of shame and sorrow but telling naught else there came a night when myron holder descended into that hell of suffering called childbirth struggled with prolonged agony helpless and alone and cried aloud to that dead father to that unknown mother to god for death myron holder was a woman and had come to years of knowledge and her fall was doubtless a sin and a shame to her black and unforgivable but far as myron holder had fallen deep as was her humiliation black as was her shame inexcusable her error she still shines in effulgent whiteness when compared with those women who refused her aid that long night through demanding as recompense for their ministering the betrayal of her betrayer myron holder would not pay their price the dim gray dawn lighted the pain-scarred face of a sleeping mother by whose side reposed a fair-haired child a child the secret of whose parentage was still locked within its mother's heart them kind always lives mrs warner said to her husband when on a june morning she saw myron holder totter past her door mrs warner should have thanked the god she worshipped fasting that it was so had myron holder died no woman in all jamestown would have been free from blood guiltiness they had beheld a woman in such extremity as moved the hearts of inquisitors stayed the touch of persecution shackled the relentless rack deferred the vengeance of the law and had withheld their hands from helping those same hands which wrought garments for the heathen and shamed not to offer their alms to god End of chapter 2